We have those scriptures on the... Perfect. And we can put them up. We can read them. Past memories, future hope, and our present work. And our first passage comes from Isaiah 58.8. And actually, I was going to read this. I didn't have it cued um, after the, um, for the assurance. But Isaiah says, this is sort of on the backs of, of the yoke that was burdening and why they weren't getting their prayers answered. And God called them out on it. And he said, if you do what I've asked you to do, then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear and your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. And then Galatians as well, Galatians 5, 5 to 6. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And then you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, but rather serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law, everything is fulfilled in keeping this one command Love your neighbor as yourself. Thus far, the reading of God's word. Amen. Amen. Past memories, future hope, and our present work. And uh, it's the final day of 2023. It's a fantastic time to look forward in anticipation, maybe prayerful anticipation, for what God has in store for your family, for this church for the broader church, the CRC community, and all the other churches, the global church, but also to see what he has in store for each and every one of you. Maybe you're hopeful for the future, for this coming year. Maybe you're not so hopeful. You kind of look, you look forward to it in dread. Maybe you're indifferent and you really don't care at all. But in order to look ahead, we need to first look back we need to take a stroll down memory lane. First, I'm going to use a silly metaphor to help explain why we should look back. I'm going to mix metaphors here a little bit. It's not, uh, it's not good English, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to start out. <clears throat> I got this GE washer, General Electric washer. It's nice looking, but it's, kind of, it's not one of those robust Maytags or Whirlpool ones that you used to get. Remember, you used to buy them at Sears? I think we had the, the warranty package on it, so whenever it broke, you just make the call, and the service tech came and fixed it. But they seem to last forever. But this one, the lid, has this annoying habit of locking. And it makes a real hassle to toss in clothes mid-cycle. I guess it's in the name of safety, I guess. But to get a decent wash, you've got to hit the deep fill button. Otherwise, the clothes just kind of float around and they barely get wet. I guess in the name of conserving water, I guess. But now the worst part. It's staining our clothes. It's not at all a concern for us adults who don't mind walking into Walmart with rubber boots. Nor those adults that like to wear uh, brown pants and a gray shirt. It doesn't really bother us all that much. But when you've got teenagers that can spot these stains like a forensic detective, you've got a problem. You got a problem. 
but it's not at all frivolous when I have to break the bank to replace these clothes that, small, that cost a small fortune. Now, initially, I blamed the detergent, and then I blamed the fabric softener. Then I thought, well, maybe you need to put the pod in first and get some water in there, but then the lid locked, so you can't put the clothes in, right? It's a real pain. I'm going to snap that thing off. But talking to my brother on Christmas Day, I learned that it's actually a bad bearing. It's a bad bearing, and it's leaking oil into the drum. And I never even, he never even looked at it, and he knew. Apparently, this happens to a lot of the newer appliances. Is that true, Al? He's shaking his head. He's shaking his head. So now it's a decision. Now it's a decision. Either I roll up my seat sleeves, flip the thing over, tackle the root cause, or call Al, or throw the thing in the scrap bin. You see, we all learn as we grow, and we learn from our past mistakes, even if it's buying a poor appliance. And we do it so we don't repeat the same mistakes. I know I won't be buying that model again. It's probably out of warranty, too. On a spiritual level, we look back and we remember, because we know that Christ has truly set us free from a life that wasn't worth living, that's not worth living. Galatians 5, 1 says that Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure you stay free and don't get tied up again to that yoke of slavery. What was that yoke of slavery Paul was talking about? Well, it was that old system of religious rules. But faith in Jesus opened his eyes. It opened my eyes. To that rigid system of outward rules, starting with the mark of circumcision, but it did nothing to stop a sin-seeking, loveless life. That's what Paul calls the yoke of slavery. Now, I'm using Paul's metaphor here for a bit because I, I think it works better. And I'll get back to my washer a little bit later. But just some context. I don't know if we have... Did we get the pictures on there? Cattle would be yoked together and would help them. It would keep them straight when plowing a field. Has anyone ever had, have seen that or kind of maybe have a, an old yoke hanging in their, in their barn as an antique? And I realized that even African slaves were yoked together as well. I, it's horrifying. And they did it because it was actually cheaper than chains. It was heavy, and it was restraining, but it wasn't exactly free. We could take that off now. Back then, if you read all of Galatians, you'll see that Paul was wanting to keep the Galatian church from being infected by this false teaching. Being um, in bondage to rules and systems that really did nothing to help one overcome their sin. And prevent them from truly living a free life of love. You see, these outward rules, not, not morality, was a way of control. But it also hid one's sin. But Paul says, because of Christ, your faith, our faith, has set us free so we don't have to sin. So we can truly love others as we love ourselves. Because if we're living deep in sin, it's really hard to love ourselves. 
And then Paul was almost like he was saying, don't you remember? Don't you remember the freedom that you had when Christ removed that old yoke? Think back. Christ freed you. He freed you. He freed you. He took the yoke away. And we at times, especially at this time of year when we're going from 2023 into 2024, it's good to look back. It's good to look back so we can look forward into the future. And we need to ask ourselves some questions. Is there something that may be weighing us down? Or weighing someone that we love, weighing them down? Are we really free to love others? Now, if we feel that we are, and I feel many of you are in that place where you're able to love others, where you're doing good work, where you're being led by the Spirit. And so take this message as well as as an opportunity to patiently pray and to understand as you think and you love those that God has placed in your life. Now, looking back, to be sure, can cause a lot of anxiety and regret. You know that these thoughts and emotions, when you think about it, will spin in your head like my General Electric washer. And they'll spin out of control. Staining your mind with the woulda, coulda, shoulda. Pastor Jack has often said that to me. Chris, it's no woulda, shoulda, coulda. Guilt is a terrible motivator. He often tells me that. But often, though, it does have to be recognized if you still feel like you're way down. It has to be acknowledged in order for it to be forgiven. And then you need to have a plan to deal with it. So what could some of these things be? Well, it could be a sinful habit that just won't go away, that can't go away. And we kind of read about that in our call to confession. There's some tough stuff in there. I don't even like reading it. But there's some tough stuff. It could be a false set of beliefs about God. I have to earn His favor for Him to love me. I'm not good enough. God doesn't love me. Nobody loves me. Maybe because you won't let anybody love you. Or it's somebody else's fault that I feel this way. But then we're hanging on to it. We're not letting go. Or maybe, maybe it's the inability to say no. Say no to things. To listen well. To follow through on what you committed to do. That's my problem. I struggle with that big time. And you know, this can all make one tired and ineffective as a Christian. And it puts back on our soul that heavy yoke that Christ died to remove. And it's really hard to express, act, or even enjoy showing love to other people when you have a yoke on your neck. Now maybe this is hard. But life is really all about relationships, is it not? Relationship with God and relationship with people. You could sum up life in one word, relationships. And often we do need to swallow our pride and we need to open up sometimes to a safe person. So as I was thinking about this, I think many of us are cruising along quite nicely. And I think that as we reflect on the past year and look forward to the future, we can reflect with a trusted friend or a mentor. Oftentimes, others have been in places that we've never been, and we can learn from their wisdom, and we can grow. 
As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. I don't know what I would do if I didn't have people in my life that have lovingly spoken into my life and have helped me in my journey of faith. It's powerful. Most often it's my wife. <laughs> um, she usually, when I'm thinking a certain way, she directs me. I never thought about it that way. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And I'm going to put a stop here for a moment. This is very crucial. When we talk to other people, we need to be trustworthy. We should never talk to someone if they lay a guilt trip on us. Because if they do, then they have a yoke that they need to shed. They're not ready to listen. They're not ready to help yet. But there is plenty of people. I know there's plenty of people in this church that I've talked to you who are trustworthy, who are prepared to listen, who are prepared to walk alongside. We're so thankful for the body of Christ. James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins to one another. Confess your yokes to one another. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. There are plenty of people. Um, sorry, the, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I have found that again and again and again. But as we do, we also need to listen and we need to follow through. And we do this to hold ourselves accountable, to have other people hold ourselves accountable for the changes that we need to make whether that's, that's a deep sin issue or that's a simple thing of, of just having to say no, maybe it's simply not following through on things, whatever it is. Because we want our freedom in Christ, true freedom, so we can truly love other people. And to go a little bit deeper, it's also okay to call a professional, to follow through and to, to use the training and the tools that they have to help you. That's why we have the CAP program, a very effective program where you can get sessions and you don't have to pay for it. Often we do need an expert to help us flip that washer over and see what's wrong. And I often need, we often need an expert to help to fix it. You see, we're meant to live in community. We're meant to live in relationship. And different people have different skill sets and abilities. So we sometimes have to look back in order to prepare for the future. But know that in order to love ourselves and to love others by faith, to serve one another, to love people really well, we need to see that he too has also set us free from guilt, condemnation, and fear because he nailed it to the cross. And when we do that, we can allow his spirit to lead us in every area of our lives. This is a call for every Christian. This is the call of this church. In a sense, this church is a hospital for sinners. It really is. So how do we do this then? Well, at the end of the year, maybe on this day, maybe this coming week when you have time after New Year's parties are all over and, and uh, you're done stuffing yourself, look back and see how God has dealt with you in the past? How has he shown grace to you, his kindness to you? How has he answered your prayers? Why is he not answering your prayers? 
Reflect on conversations that you have had with other people. What felt right? What didn't feel right? It's kind of like flipping over that washer and seeing where those stains come from. We need to do that in order to spot the problem, to see what works and what doesn't work. And as we reflect, it gives us clues. Actually, it gives us downright answers to how we can better love ourselves and to love other people without wounding, without wounding. Now, to be more positive here, as we remember and we look back, we may also have an immense amount of joy for what Jesus has done in and through you, an immense amount of joy, how he has answered your prayers, how he has come through patiently and with kindness, without pointing the finger and judging you and laying a guilt trip on you, but just quietly waiting till we raise the flag and say, I need some help. I need to make a change. As you reflect back, see how good he has been to you. How he has helped you remove that yoke. How he has helped you to make those changes. These stories, these memories, this reflection seeing the good things that Jesus has done for you in faith, through faith in him, is your living testimony, your lived experience. It's not meant to be kept for ourselves because Jesus wants to use these experiences in our lives to help encourage other people as we walk alongside them in their struggles as they try to shed their yoke. We could put Isaiah 58 up there again. I didn't have it handy here. And when we do, our light will break forth like the dawn. And your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you. The righteousness of Christ, not your own righteousness, will go before you. And the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Faith expressing itself in love is not ultimately about yourself. As Rick Warren had said in his book, Purpose Driven Life, his first line was, it's not about you. It's about his reputation in you. It's about his reputation in the body of Christ in this church that matters. This is so others too can see the freedom that we have, the hope that we have when we come to Jesus and he takes away those yokes. So God is guiding us. He is leading us. Know that. He is convicted and he's loving us along the way. I know he is. But he won't force you to change. He won't force you. He will not remove your crappy General Electric washing machine. You need to do that. But as you rely on him, guess what? He'll give you the patience. He'll give you the positive attitude. He may even open up a good deal for another washer. That works better than the old one. And you will see that he was working in you and walking alongside you the whole time. So remember, remember that God isn't just the God of our present or our future. He is the God of our past too. 
Our reflection is not to remind us of our past in order to accuse or condemn or to make us feel guilty, but it's a catalyst for spiritual growth that helps us to experience more of his grace and more of his freedom. So now go and see that your faith is alive and is expressed as you continue to love those around you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we know that you are not just a God of our present and our future. And it is true that we look forward to our future. We look forward to the hope that we have in Jesus. But we also know that you often use our past as a way to remember, as a way to reflect, as a way to get to the root of some things that need to be cast off. You don't do this to remind us, to accuse us, to condemn us, to make us feel guilty. But you use our past in order to grow us up, to see the freedom that we have, so that we may truly love as you have loved us. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for the gift and the freedom of your Holy Spirit in our lives. We thank you for um, this past year, for all the memories that were made, for all the changes that were made. We thank you for, for so many who have experienced your loving grace, where they have seen you work in the lives of family, in the lives of our kids and grandkids, in the lives of, of our community, our co-workers. We're so grateful. We're so filled with uh, just joy and expectation for what you could do, all because of the power that comes through the cross of Jesus Christ. And so we offer up to you these memories and this reflection. And uh, we thank you, Lord, for what you have in store for us for the future. In Jesus' name.